Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello, and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today is actor extraordinaire, Kevin Allen. Oh, extraordinaire. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. I love Looney Tunes. This is great. Uh, we have some news about the game, uh, The World of Mayhem, which is available on all iOS and PC downloads, um, and so also with uh, Google Play, and uh, we're going to be discussing some characters that are there, as well as some new features, which are very exciting, and that were announced on the podcast of Mayhem, uh, which Haruki set up over there with the development team. Uh, we are also going to be talking about some of the... Uh, classic shorts such as Nighty Night Bugs. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Right now we have Kevin, and Kevin has uh, some experience playing a classic DC character. Would you like to uh, <laughs> to talk about that a little bit? Uh, <laughs> it's, no, it's weird. It's weird <laughs> that this is what I do for a living, more or less. Um, I, think I it's great. I, no, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, everyone's like, "What's he talking about?" I play the Joker for Six Flags on occasion. Uh, the Joker from the Batman comics, of course, and I I see the Looney Tunes around the park, but usually I'm off in my own separate uh, metropolitan world. And you just recently went to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Yes. Yeah, so uh, normally I play the Joker for Magic Mountain out here in Valencia, but uh, they decided to send me to Six Flags over Texas, not over Texas, Fiesta, Texas. Yes. There is a difference. There is. <laughs> One is in Dallas, right? <clears throat> Uh, over yeah. Texas? Is that yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure. So this was Houston? Yes. I was just well, actually, there. Yeah, I should it's, know this. It's uh, San Antonio. Oh, my God. See, I'm so lost. Texas is a big place. It is. And I've only been the few times. Um, but yeah, so at Fiesta, Texas, they opened a new Joker ride. So, oh, cool. What's yes, the name of it? The Joker. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, his, it's his ride. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, so they're building up a little uh, DC comic zone. So far, the villains have like the most consolidated footprint but i did get to try out the superman and the wonder woman rides while i was there and they were crazy awesome i had a lot of fun and i of course while i was there i had to try out the warner brothers uh looney tunes rides of course you have to yeah so those those are actually the, i spent two weekends out there for the ride opening and by the time i'd be done because it's long hot days i'd be exhausted but by the last day i was like no i have to give some time to myself to go check the park out because it was a beautiful park um so i just started wandering around uh started off in the little german village that has its own little castle that was the bugs bunny water ride and i made my way to the western zone and found the Roadrunner Express, and I was like, I'm starting on this. Yes, the Roadrunner Express from my childhood is one of my favorite rides ever. I loved it. It was a great coaster. Yeah. It was great. And it's, I think it's for like all ages. Oh, yeah. I remember my grandmother getting on it. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I got the park map, and I know that Six Flags is known for their coasters. So I was like, well, I don't want to jump in on the big guns yet, so let me figure out what level this one is. And it was, it was not 
a little kitty weak ride, but right. it was definitely wasn't like the Superman ride or whatever. Exactly. Um, where Batman ride where your feet are dangling off the uh, off yeah the holster. Yeah, those, I think the Wonder Woman ride. There's like a single track, and it just like you go straight up and then you go straight back down, and it was it was crazy. The Roadrunner ride was a joy. It was it was fun and exciting without me going like, oh my god, I hope I survive this. Um, so I, yeah, I started off the right way in my opinion. And then I was like, well, I just want to do all the Looney Tunes rides. I want to get them all in. So eventually I made my way back around to the Bugs Bunny water ride. I don't even remember the name of it. If... Uh, yeah, it's called Bugs Bunny's Whitewater Rapids. Okay. Yeah. And I got soaking wet because I was right up front. Good. Good. <laughs> um, As you should. I mean, the, I'm sure it says at the beginning you, you will get wet on this ride. Yeah. So but like, I didn't expect it to like where, so uh, I should have known better. <laughs> But I got on the ride and we're on the track and then it's like where you kind of dip into the water and now like it begins and you're, the current is taking you rather than a track. Sure. And immediately, like the whole front end just filled up with water, soaking <laughs> uh, my whole lower third. And the person next to me was like, ah, well, hold, hold on. Like we thought we'd get a mild splash at the end. Like, um, But it was fun. It was a great ride. Everyone was like getting tense and like, oh God, is this the drop? And then we have a little drop and we had the big one at the end. And it was a lot of fun. And for me, especially the whole time, starting off uh, with being outside of the ride, you see the sleeping dragon from Nighty Night Bugs. Yes. And you get these little vignettes as you go through the thing and finally ends with Bugs having the singing sword. And so, like, I'm sure everyone was there for a fun water ride, but I was like, yay, it's the singing sword. <laughs> I'm, I'm living a cartoon. This is awesome. And I think uh, the singing sword actually comes back in another cartoon where it sings Sinatra songs. Well, I think that's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's, that's what that is. Um, Eddie Valiant pulls out the singing sword, and it's, it's Frank Sinatra's head as a sword. That's right. Classic. And behind you is a mm -hmm. Who Framed Roger Rabbit board game. Yeah! What? <laughs> what? That uh, my friends and I tried playing yesterday. Oh, uh, what's it like? And we'll, we didn't get past the instructions. It's very complicated. <laughs> Find uh, the will and yeah. save Toontown from the evil Judge Doom. Well, yeah, that's yeah. that's the movie. It reads like stereo instructions. Oh, man. <laughs> really and, but it looks... To... Oh, wow. <laughs> it's really hard to understand. Oh, my God. It looks like a clue. I'm going to describe it for the listeners. The board looks like a clue setup, except it's all parts of, the, like, of L.A. and Toontown done in a very kind of like cigarette ad, bright colors, yeah. painting... But then, like a Parcheesi map on top of it, <laughs> and then for extra confusion, and then the center is the the dip, yeah, which feels very Jumanji. It it does, and there's a spinner wow. and it has Doom on it, and you land on. Oh, that is a spinner. Of, yeah, and oh, and there's also six die. There's six pieces of dice. What? Why? Oh my God! Exactly. You're right. Exactly. So, there's one of them has numbers. The rest have pictographs. <laughs> That one has a that one actually has pictures of numbers. Yes, it's, this it's is interesting. Bizarre. We're getting off topic. <laughs> Thanks for showing me this though. This is neat. You're welcome. Um, and uh, speaking of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah. are you have you heard that HBO Max is going to be developing a show with Robert Zemeckis? No. Okay, great. So no. I'm going to reveal that to you right now. And see okay. What your opinions are? Uh, so it's called Tuned Out, and it stars a kid named Max, and he's going through a rough time in his life, his young life. Okay. And he starts seeing these iconic characters come into the real world. Wait, no, all wait. Of the Looney Tunes. So he's a he's a flesh and bone human. Yes, it's a live action animation hybrid. 
Oh, so just like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like it's the, the tunes thing. exist in his. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's exciting. And uh, Christopher Lloyd's in it. Really? Yep. Not as Judge Doom, I assume. I don't believe Because he's dead. I don't believe I think that. he's dead. Yeah. Um, I think it's a whole new That's, wow. I'm like, I always like seeing Christopher Lloyd, so that's right. cool. Um, I man, I can't even imagine what this is like. Yeah, no, this is, yeah, Robert Zemeckis' work has always been great. I love this idea of, it feels like they're trying to do what, like, Looney Tunes back in action wanted to do. Sort of. I, I really like Looney Tunes back in yeah? action. Yeah? Yeah. It has, it has that wacky factor, and obviously it's directed by the guy who directed Gremlins, so he's a big <laughs> fan of Looney Tunes to begin with. Um, uh, that's Joe Dante. And I feel like Looney Tunes back in action didn't find the audience right away, but later on they found a new life on streaming. And I believe on Netflix, I remember hearing that these parents were asking, um, asking about it and where they could find it because their kids were oh. watching it so much on, uh, on Netflix and then they didn't want it to go away. But uh, that film did a really good job of integrating the wackiness in the world of the live action segment with mm-hmm. Ben and Frazier and having those characters not be something else. They're, they're not trying to be fit into a box. Yeah. They fit or they put the live action actors into the Looney Tunes world. Yeah. So then putting the Looney Tunes into a live action world. Okay. I see, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. What I was referring to was simply just that they were trying to revive the character's popularity and make them, I guess, uh, I don't want to say like relevant again, because sure. they've always been there. But there was something about Looney Tunes back in action where I thought there was like, hey, we can have everyone have a more personal connection with them by putting them in the real world. I just that's what I and maybe this is again they like you said they didn't do a good job really find getting the audience. Right, right. I felt like they didn't know how to market that movie at the time. I agree. But I I felt that's what they were trying to do was just try to give everyone a personal relationship with the Looney Tunes by making them. Not like not trying to do what they did with the Looney Tunes show, where they're like, "We're, we're going to make them a grounded sitcom characters." Right, which but didn't work exactly. I actually thought that was a neat show. Oh, it was, did. but that's, but I think that's what you were describing in that they, they were trying to make the Looney Tunes into something else. Correct. They gave every character a role that best suited that character, but it was st- it wasn't Looney Tunes. Correct. So yeah, so uh, so am I right to assume that like back in action? that this show is taking just the Looney Tunes as they always are and just putting them in a more familiar setting to us being the real world. From what I've read, yes. That sounds like fun. Exactly. I want to see that. I want to see that too. So that's going to be on HBO Max along cool. with the uh, 80 episodes of the new Looney Tunes yeah, cartoons. I've been dying to see those. So, um, yeah. Oh, I forgot to show you... Uh, um, the Dynamite Dance. It's okay. You told me that it's available on YouTube <laughs> and that I can at least find it. I've been it driving by that billboard at the Warner's lot with like Bugs laid down the golden gloves and like over 200 new cartoons. I'm like, great, where? Exactly. So now I know at least know where to start. Exactly. And uh, you can listen to my review of uh, that short on the podcast. Good. As well I will. Afterwards. Yeah. I was afraid of spoilers. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> so McDonald's mm-hmm. has a new licensing deal. And they brought back all of the classic toys in yeah. a 40th anniversary of the Happy Meal. <laughs> and they're mystery bags. So you don't know what you're going to get. Of course they are. But inside, and I've taken screenshots, you can see him in the ad. Mm-hmm. 
is Bugs Bunny in a Space Jam suit. No. Doing a dunk. No. Yeah. I just, I assumed they were all generic, unlicensed, like McDonald's character toys. Right. I didn't realize they were bringing back other licensed properties. Like you could get a Hot Wheels or My Little Pony. Exactly. But they're, they're back there. And also Furbies. <laughs> like everything, everything over the past 40 years has been like. That's crazy. Out of history. And okay. Into the happy meal. That's like one from every era or something. Pretty much, yeah. So cool. Us cool 90s kids got the Space Jam dunking Bugs Bunny. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, I am down for that. They do also have the, the McDonald's licensed ones as well. So it's it's like uh, the Hamburglar's back mm-hmm. in there and like the disguised uh, Chicken McNuggets. Oh, yeah. And also like the burgers that transform. Into little See, guys. that was the one I noticed in the ad. Okay. The 80s toys were yeah. – because I, those I think I remember getting way back when. Yeah. I think. Because I had like a milkshake and it made a good mess oh, with it. It turned into a robot or something. I, I don't know what they were. Milkshake. Yeah. I had that one. Okay. Cool. So Space Jam's coming back in more ways than one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also the movie, which mm-hmm. um, we're anxiously awaiting to see um, how that's going to turn out. But yeah. We'll, we'll I, get my, more information on that. We're talking about it. I'm I've, sure. I've heard, I have a friend who got to work on the set for it for like a week or two. Wait, really? Yeah. So I'm not at liberty to say anything. Okay. But it seems like he was describing stuff. And I, my, my big question was like, like I don't need to know hot gossip exclusive details or anything. I don't want to know like right. what it's like to we work with so-and-so. Yeah. Well, and I just, I don't care. But oh. what I was like, I was like, like, I'm like, is it just as ridiculous as the first one? And he, he described... Kind of, I and I, I definitely don't want to tell it because it's like a spoilery thing, but like the penultimate scene and how they, how they, uh, let's say, create the atmosphere of that scene. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's great. It's so stupid and funny and based on dumb jokes that are, are that you're gonna love. Like you know those jokes that you're like, ah, oh, those groaners. Yeah. So I can't. I can't. I don't want to say anything about it. I really okay. don't. Not just for. His benefit, <laughs> but also because I, I want people to experience this joy as it happens in watching the movie. But I, I have got just enough to make me believe that we will all be reinsured and it'll be just as much absurd fun as the original Space Jam was. So, okay, cool. I'm cool I just hope the characterizations are a little bit more uh, on point than uh, they were in that, that first film. Yeah, we'll see. That I don't know. And that he's not going to know either. So right. I, can't, I can't find that out. Well, I really hope Eric Bowser provides the voice for Daffy and Bugs and all of the characters that he's been doing in the new shorts. I can't imagine why they wouldn't keep using those people. Right. I can't imagine either. Yeah. So, <laughs> shout out to Eric Bowser and his amazing work. Let's dive right into Nighty Night Bugs. Uh, this was the 1959 Best Short Subject winner at the Oscars and a Fritz Freeling cartoon. Yeah, yeah. You and I were you and I were laughing at jokes that we knew I'm were always, coming. Like I'm always laughing at Looney Tunes. Like, it's, it's such it's so good. It's such good filmmaking yeah. too. You know they're very resourceful with what they establish in the story mm-hmm. and what they want to bring back. And just it's the it you know the one of the secrets to comedy is they just get to the joke in the quickest way possible, mm-hmm. the simplest, straight, most straightforward direction, but still in a way that you go ah you know just surprises you a little bit didn't quite see it coming right yeah and 
you you asked me prior to the podcast like what some of my favorite cartoons were or what, what my favorite cartoon was and i had a long time thinking about it because there's so many i remember watching like i'm on the Bugs Bunny Tweety show because they were staples or because I had them on cassette and my dad introduced me to Looney Tunes. I remember his favorites with like the crusher, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, all the boxing things. Yeah. Great. I, I remember getting so excited being at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas and that the Bugs Bunny ride was based on nighty night bugs because that was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it holds up. Like it got me on that ride. <laughs> And the I, paint job and the statues on that ride oh yeah. are so well done. Well, that was the first thing I noticed walking through the park. The The management gave me a tour of like, oh, just so you see what our little park is like, you know, we'll just take you through it real quick. Oh, that's nice. And the first thing I saw was Sam on the dragon in the middle of the lake, like and with the Batman ride behind it. But I was like, Sam, like, <laughs> oh, this guy, the dragon. They have like, and I, I expect to see like regular Yosemite Sam walking around or something like that but i was like they have the night version of him the black knight and so that was that was a treat for me So yeah, the cartoon to me uh, still resonates, and I watching it again, it's still funny. I totally see why I got an Academy Award. Yeah, it's it's really good and really tight uh, story writing. Like the the storytelling aspect is so unique, and, mm-hmm. and they pay off the setups in a really fun and unique way. You don't see them coming. Yeah, and they happen so fast that you like you. If you had more time, maybe you could predict it, but. You, they don't give you any more No, time. like I said, they go straight to the joke. Exactly. And that's what's so great about it. That's why it lasts. That's why it endures. The other thing I noticed in that it's it's following essentially the same format as the Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner cartoons where someone's trying to set a trap and it fails. Sure. And the, my, I guess if I have a criticism of those classic gems of art that I have no right criticizing, it's a lot of the Wiley e. Coyote ones... It's just like, this is a new idea he has. This is a new idea he has. They don't really string together in a theme or any sequential logical order. This one does. That it, Granted, having the medieval theme be a part of it, but it, it wasn't just like, uh, Sam's trying to ca- kidnap Bugs Bunny, and this is his latest trap, and it just happens to be something from that era. It was, he gets locked out of, the castle and is trying to get his way back in. He tries the drawbridge that doesn't work. So then he tries this and that doesn't work. And so, and like, and actually like, like this is how any one of us who gets trapped outside of a castle would go about this. Yeah. You would try to lasso yourself. A rope yeah. That goes to the top of the castle and then climb up mm-hmm. and then get hit like a croquet mallet back down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we'd all be in that position. <laughs> We've all been there before. Yeah. But uh, what I mean is it's following that Wile E. Coyote formula of just the quick gags and these plans failing. Yes. But in a way that is a little more cohesive and follows a narrative flow. Yeah. So I think it's, that's what sets it apart maybe from other Looney Tunes cartoons of that same f- plot. I, I agree. And also <clears throat> in doing this podcast and watching all of these classics, I noticed patterns and, and I've noticed and picked up on some of the same story structures. And as you recall, like you're talking about Wiley e. Coyote and 
how that transitioned from that I'm going to catch you for dinner to I need to get back into a castle and the same kind of structure plays off. But surrounding that is a more cohesive storyline. And the way that they take and re um, reestablish a setting and show you uh, a different coat of paint, you know, it, it works on so many levels. And obviously the comedy writing and the animation style mm-hmm. are lend to that. And they are, um, they're just fantastic and they hold up. Yeah. And Frizz is one of the best. Yeah. Chris Freeling directed that. And, uh, and yeah. Um, so speaking of Oscar winning, uh, mm-hmm. The Curse of the Monkey Bird has been playing at Warner Brothers Studios for some Academy members, so that way it can be in contention for the Academy Award, the Best Picture Short Subject um, Oscar. And uh, I think it has a good chance of uh, grabbing that, mainly because I've seen it and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah. hope it does. I would love if the Looney Tunes like, kicked the door in by winning an Oscar. Right? How great would that like, be? Hey, we're back, and we're also amazing, still. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... So, uh, I don't know if you've heard me describe the Curse of the Monkey Bird, but it is a... It's basically the beloved characters you love mm-hmm. got into a time machine, but, like, on the way, they grabbed comedy styles from the 80s and <sighs> 90s and also pop culture references. And oh. then they landed in the modern era. So you get these... Wait, they're traveling from the past to the future, which is now our present? Yes, and I say that because the the characterizations are from the past, and they're, like, perfect and spot on, and they look amazing. Oh, man, nostalgia. That's the currency in Hollywood, so... Exactly, but the the comedy style Mm -hmm. is very reminiscent of, like, Ren and Stimpy, and there's, like, there's a new era of comedy, and it, it feels fresh, but at the same time you're also getting these pairings that we haven't seen in so long. So Daffy and Porky, they started the whole thing back in the 30s. They're the perfect duo. They, I mean... Exactly. And so to have those be at the forefront of this new cartoon is just amazing. And it's so refreshing, but it's also nostalgic and um, a throwback, if you will, to those fans of the classic era. So it's, it's great on all fronts. I love it. Yeah. So I, I can't wait for everyone to see it. Uh, mainly just because I want to talk about it more because hmm. <laughs> I can't talk about it because no one's seen it. And now we're going to talk about the new Looney Tunes that are part of the Journey to the Outback. Uh, this is in the World of Mayhem video game and you can access these characters through the arena. Uh, there's also a campaign, I believe, um, also by the same name, Journey to the Outback. This features Outback Dog and Curator Porky in a all-new setting within Tasmania. So let's start with Curator Porky. He is an epic character and a support one. Uh, He will help you with attack, defense, and speed uh, and has a friendship with Outback Dog. So anytime they are an ally, you will have plus 10 on all of those attributes. Um, His design story is that he's fascinated by adventure and this museum curator is here to stock his galleries with Tasmanian treasure, if he can find them. He defers to the expertise of his wilderness guide, supporting them with CC cleansing effects and just enough heals to end the fight fast. Consider Curator Porky an aggressive utility support who backs up a main healer with CC and damaging uh skill set includes coward's throw reveal the relic 
Forbidden Powers, Concerned Companion, Vengeful Spirits, and Preemptive Curse. Ooh, that's pretty cool. What do you think about those skill sets? You know what? All this reminds me. Well, so like, I love cowards throw or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, that's that's a great ability. Yeah. Cowards throw. Yeah. 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 Uh, this all reminds me of Porky traveling to Wacky Land, oh, yeah. where he and I forget. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm like, he he held his own in that bizarre surrealist <laughs> Dolly state. So I feel like he's uh, a more Hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I feel like he can hold his own yeah. better than maybe this game is giving him credit for. So he probably is going to be a really cool icon in this. Uh, well, he's definitely a cool icon. I, I think for sure uh, he has the, the support factor in all of the areas of his expertise because obviously he's known as like uh, that supporting role within the Daffy cartoon. So you yeah. have Duck Dodgers where he's the cadet mm -hmm. and he's a really good ally there. Yeah. Uh, you have him with Sylvester in the city, and he's always, you know, going along the the haunted, uh, like the haunted hills and all that stuff. Like whenever he, he's uh, to the castle, yeah, you're right, like you're right. And like he was a good ally. I, I to forgot Sylvester. he was Sylvester's master for a while. Yeah, they. I really love whenever they they mishmashed the the uh, pairings of the characters. Oh yeah. And you had these new story elements that you could tackle with. Um, you know, with Porky and giving him different uh, levels of uh, character. Yeah, and Porky, in my opinion, is one of the most versatile characters in the whole Looney Tunes roster because, like, he was, like I said earlier, he's the perfect pairing with Daffy. He was right. his gal Friday so many times exactly. in different incarnations. But I, I remember him being, like, uh, Bugs's buddy on the Looney Tunes show and in some of the cartoons, like, where they actually saw eye to eye because of the most reasonable characters yeah he's sylvester's master you can pair him up with a lot of characters but in wacky lands it was just porky by himself yeah so and he definitely hold, held his own yeah uh that would be that would be an interesting uh character to add the dodo bird i always loved him oh yeah he's just the chaos element in the game <laughs> if, they, if they ever add that uh, character i'm going to be dissecting that um episode and i'll bring you back on okay uh, okay so the other character is outback dog and this is an epic attacker, again in Tasmania. Um, he has a friendship with explorers, and whenever he's an ally in the battlefield, he has plus 10% attack, defense, and speed with any of those characters, and rivalry with all the hunters. Um, he has a design story that reads as follows. As the explorers brave Tasmania's jungles in search of ancient secrets, they'll need the help of someone local who knows the way. Enter Outback Dog, a hunter who sleeps with one paw on his boomerang, ready for anything. His team, his team-wide counter chance aura keeps everyone on their toes. Down AOE and punishing squid squishies. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Whirling Kylie, well placed no matter what, makes him an excellent tune on defending teams where you're not there to lead. Um, I may or may not keep that in. That, that sounds really wacky. Well, it's Tasmania, so... <laughs> That's true. Uh, his skill set includes the throw stick, the wilderness guide, the whirling Kylie, watch the teeth, jungle remedies, and cloak and dagger. Uh, would that be a character that you would want on your team? So, from what I know of the dog, like, up against Foghorn Lancorn, he always held his own. Uh, I, I, I use that 
expression again, but in a different way. Like he 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 would take the abuse, but then he would dish it right back out on another level. It was just yeah. constantly escalation. Like that guy is tough as nails. So I imagine the Aussie version of him is a he force to be reckoned with. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Sounds like he has a lot of good. He can put a lot of good damage out there. Yeah, I believe he could. Uh, I'm actually actively trying to unlock him currently. Uh, <laughs> I did unlock the Pulky version, which is ah, the Pulky. Yeah. And, uh, and he looks great. And I love that he's holding like a, a Indiana Jones style icon, yeah. which is also reminiscent of his character in Curse of the Monkey Bird because that is an Indiana Jones parody. <sighs> okay, cool. I'm in. <laughs> Where he and Daffy are trying to like find yeah, yeah. his relic. Oh, in a, in a this is so my alley. Like, uh, I really dig like the 1930s archaeologist aesthetic. Yeah. Like not so much the colonialization or anything, but <laughs> I, I love that. Like, let's go explore this forbidden jungle and, fi- and get into these booby traps and uncover ancient relics. I love like the Jungle Cruise and Indiana Jones and that whole thing. When you when you showed me the pictures of them both, like I was like, yeah, curator Porky, I'm all about that. Yeah. For sure, uh, he's a he's a great character, and uh, he's so resilient. You know, Pork, like Pork oh yeah, has gone through so much, but he always bounces back. And oh he yeah, has that that happy go lucky attitude about him. Yeah, which makes him a lovable character. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to throw it over to our sponsors at Acme. Acme, it's where you get your anvils. Hello, everyone. We here at Acme are excited to announce the brand new factory in Australia. We're opening our Australian branch with a traditional Australian product, the classic Acme Boomerang. That's right. A perfect boomerang made by Acme, making it even more perfect. Good day, mate. I'm here to pick up my boomerang. Where, where is it? Lucky you, sir. You're going to get one of the first of our hundred boomerangs, which we have just manufactured. Here, try it out. Jolly good. Thank you. What's it going to do? Whatever you normally do with your boomerang, you'll do it now, but with the Acme way. Why do I need this new one? Why can't I just have the one I got at home? Because this is no ordinary throwing stick. It's an Acme boomerang. It does everything a boomerang is supposed to do, but better. All right. Why don't you go try it out and then come on back and tell us how you like it? I'm sure you will. That's right. Every satisfied customer of Acme will always come back for more boomerangs. Good day, mate. Have a good one. Take care now. I'll, I'll go try it out. Bring it right back. Great. Go and then come back. Leaving. Like a boomerang. Is that what it does? It, yes. I thought you didn't know. No, it's not a... I know it comes back. We here at Acme know that a boomerang leaves your hand and then comes back. Do you want me to bring it back, or do you just want me to tell you about it? I want you to throw it like you throw your boomerangs. Let it do whatever you do with your boomerang before it returns to your hand. And then come back and tell us how much you like it. I feel wombat. You don't have to <laughs> specify. Is that what these are for? We made a hundred throwing sticks to kill Acme boomerangs. What you do with them is up to you. I also wanted to touch on uh, Podcast and Mayhem. This is the podcast run by the developing team, uh, which features Haruki, uh, Gossamer, and Merlin Hand, uh, which we heard the story of those names. 
uh, in that podcast. I'm so glad they explained to that. <laughs> you're really wondering about. Uh, but I wanted to specifically touch upon Alliance Wars. So this is a new feature that will take the Alliance experience to the next level. And what I'm hearing is uh, this will not only be like a real-time uh, way to battle, and it, it will have the, the characters or the, the roles within your Alliance change up. And whoever is the, the power player, like they'll have a specific role. And whoever is like the healer, they'll have a specific role. And it sounds like a really in, um, intuitive way to play the game. And I'm really excited about that. But the, uh, the thing that they hinted at was that the Alliance will have a theme. These Alliance Wars will have a theme. And the theme is theming. hinted at in the world map. And I showed Kevin the world map. And there's a specific area <laughs> that I've always wondered about. And I'm really glad Kevin's on the show right now. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners who are playing the game also are like wondering what that's about. What is that about? What could it be? Uh, yeah, could it be like that snow lift thing? Or could it be... I mean, snow lifts like, are great. Just random water? Like, what is it? The, the fishing pier. Yeah, <laughs> let's get... Let's get... Da- if, you know what? If the fishing pier... If it was like Daffy Duck in his first cartoon when he's just like... Oh, yeah, Screwball Daffy? Yeah, and he's and just like, laying on his back in the swamp or whatever. Right. I, I would enjoy that. <laughs> but then like what other characters would be like, yeah, you get Bugs Bunny and fly fishing overalls. That's right. cool. Elmer and Galoshes. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't a stretch from Elmer to begin with. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, but there's that'd one, be nice, there's I one guess. specific area that I have a feeling it might be. I want it to be pirates! I want it to be pirates <laughs> so bad! Oh, man! Ah, I can't contain it any longer. I, that's so cool. I love that. That island looks great. There's a ship there. I love all the signs pointing to the treasure. Like, dig here. I love pirates. Anybody who... Knows me first before they got to this podcast. They're like, oh, snap. Kevin's talking about pirates again. It's going to be pirates. Oh, I hope it's pirates. It's got to be pirates. So there's an entire <laughs> battleship or like pirate ship that's crash landed. And you have a treasure map basically on this land. And it says dig here for the treasure. How can it not be that? I mean, what a tease to put that there <laughs> and not follow up with it. Exactly. Exactly. And then um, everyone gets to wear cool pirate outfits. Foghorn Leghorn and a giant hat with a big feather coming out of the top and you can have buccaneer bandoliers. Bugs. Yeah, buccaneer bugs. Buccaneer that looks fun. And Yosemite thing. Sam is meant to be a pirate. Yeah. We'll put the Blackbeard bows in his beard <laughs> or his mustache or whatever he's got. Just give him all the guns. I want to see Foghorn Leghorn as a pirate. I know. I think he'd be cool. I feel like he would be. That would work. He would be kind of like the big. Um, I don't want to say like Barbosa, but almost like the guy who is paying for the expedition. Okay. You know, he's got his hand in his the breast of his jacket and wearing right. ridiculously ornate outfit. Upsta- you know, the upstanding Kentuckian would be the upstanding British naval officer or something like that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Good. We're giving them ideas. They got to make it. Because, <laughs> and then, you, yeah, Yosemite Sam is definitely going to be the Blackbeard. You're going to have your swashbuckler. Like, your Errol Flynn character is meant for Bugs Bunny. This thing writes itself. It does. Uh, Daffy no Duck is a loose cannon. Oh, God, I hope so. So, there is a bunch of speculation online about what it could be, but we really feel that it is going to be Pirates for sure. Take it to the bank. Put all your stock in this. That would be, that would be my team for, like, the entire time <laughs> on that game. I throw, I honest to God, I would throw Curator Porky in because I love that idea. Okay. But the majority of my team would be pirates. 
They're like, we're going to open a new space adventure. And I'm like, ah, oh, Duck Dodgers is really tempting, but pirates. Exactly. Uh, Duck Dodgers is already in the game, by the way. Yeah. So. Well, I figure. I, I mean, yeah, they've, they've it's Duck Dodgers. encountered space. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we, we definitely need a... a I couldn't think of another example of like what frontier other than a snow lift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the snow lift is interesting because it could lead to somewhere. Like the characters get in a snow lift and go somewhere else. You know what I thought of when you showed me that was who could be living at the top of the mountain. And I thought about the uh, indomitable snowman. Yeah, the Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. What was his name? He he was just the abominable snowman, right. but he named Bugs George. Oh, so yeah. everyone thinks his name is George. Oh right, yeah, I remember now. But that guy. Yeah. So I I that's my guess on who's living up there. I can't think of any other real snow or mountain themed characters. Yeah, I can't either. In the game, they already have like a snow version of Gossamer, so I feel like that kind of like a yeti takes the place of the yeti. Oh, they gotta bit. have the yeti. I know he was so great. Uh, so lovable. He's have, a he's a support character. You can have some <laughs> kind of variation on the greedy Daffy, or like maybe there's a genie Daffy. In the mountain? No, in in the pirate area. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like Daffy is like the treasure, like and the treasure is a genie. Daffy, you know, if it were me, would that be weird? Huh? Would that be weird? Well, then you can <laughs> then you lose him for like an Arabian themed land if they ever wanted to do that. Because, I mean, the Thousand and One Tales, that was a whole thing for Bugs Money. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's uh, Thousand and One Arabian Nights. I remember that movie. Yeah. Uh, so that's got to be a thing at some point. Right. And that whole... there's I, All I remember was there was Sam and his snot-nosed little kid wearing the cultural appropriate garb. Not for him, but right, for the, right, right. the Thousand and One Arabian yeah, Nights. Yeah, yeah, um, Wow. And Daffy was a genie. Was he that. a genie? Was he... I think he got cursed by a genie because he wished for too much or he got greedy. I mean, I know that was an element because because him and Bugs were both trying to get the lamp or something. Bugs just wanted to get out of the there alive. Right. It's been a long time since I've seen this, but I think it's what happened. <laughs> anyway. It's so, no, I would uh, – Daffy, for me, he would be kind of like um, – he would be like Ben from Treasure Island where he's been, like, stranded on the island ever since. Like, he got marooned there because – he wouldn't let go of the treasure, so now he just lives on the island by himself, and he won't let anyone near it, and he's kind of gone crazy. Yeah, it makes sense. That seems like a very daffy thing to do, to be like, like, basically, he's Gollum. Right. He's like, the treasure is mine. Mine, mine, yeah. mine. Yeah, well, we can't be too far off, so if we, uh... It's mine, you understand? Mine! All mine! Get back in there! Down, down, down! Go, go, go! Mine, mine, mine! <laughs> but... Uh, at the same time, I could also see them just giving him his own pirate skin, like making him Black Bart Roberts kind of thing. Yeah. I'm dropping all these pirate references, and I hope that people are <laughs> keeping up with this because we're starting to get into the B-listers now. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Everyone loves pirates, I'm sure. Um, so I, I'm, I guess that's that's the end of the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, the, I'm currently – Working with my team at uh, Broadway Productions with The Great Wizarding War. So if you guys are like Merlin Ham, are a fan of <laughs> wizards and, or Harry Potter lore, we're doing a 12-part prequel to the Harry Potter saga that's about the great, the first Great Wizarding War. Awesome. Um, and you're and serious? It's, I'm serious black. Serious black. Yeah. Doesn't get more serious than that? No. The last episode, someone goes like, you can't be serious. And goes, yes, I am, and I'm tired of that lie. <laughs> 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 um. It's genuinely good. 
I usually awesome. don't plug my own stuff, but it's really good. It's I mean, it's very different than Looney Tunes. It's very action oriented. It's still but, the family. It's Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's true. We all get along. Me, yeah. me, Sirius Black, the Joker. I've never played a Looney Tune. That'd oh be fun. God. I've always. I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. Like, what if they did like a, a magic slash Harry Potter style parody in Looney Tunes? I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, right? they've always been tapping into pop culture back in their day. I know. That's throughout what I the really 30s want. and the 60s and stuff. So, yeah. But if they did Harry Potter, that would be so fascinating. It's their own properties. Like, not, they don't have to worry about like upsetting anybody in rights, you exactly. know. Well, JK, maybe, but. Maybe. But also, it's parody. So, yeah. like, you wouldn't be upsetting anyone. Yeah. I I would be down for it. Right? Yeah. All right, they should do that. <laughs> I had a thought they should also do uh, the latest Tarantino movie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They should do that with Looney Tunes. Well, wouldn't they just be the 70s? <laughs> yeah. But the 70s Hollywood? You could have like a, 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 an aged out of Hollywood bugs, and then like you have... Uh, oh, you mean like... like like we're gonna treat the we're gonna treat the characters like they are the actors, movie. like you know, like yeah. like Who Framed Roger Rabbit exactly. did. I'm glad we're tying that back in. Yeah. And okay, so the golden era of Looney Tunes is expired, and now they're trying to find new work in a changing Hollywood setting. Exactly. Well, I think that's what these shorts are doing. I hope so. We've only seen one of them. I'm trying to remember. I swear they did. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? It's another Space Jam reference. There was that one moment where. Porky and Daffy became Jules and oh it's ah okay it's thank you and Porky and that's my favorite moment in space yeah the pop that's, culture one that is the moment that feels real and it's like no kid should get that because it's an R-rated movie and why is it in this movie I don't know but guess what it works it's the same reason they put Clark Gable in cartoons exactly. back then like no exactly. kid knew who that was or cared but that's the beauty of it mm-hmm. like it's a, it's something for later on yeah. Yeah, so I want more of that. Okay, I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, thank you, Kevin, for being on the podcast. Thank you for loaning me your Bugs Bunny mug. You're welcome. Um, I know this is your mug. I and have treated you well. Uh, it feels like a responsibility to drink out of this thing. It's so hefty and a I, little, just a little awkward. I love it so much. It's, <laughs> it's really cool to look at, though. It's so, so well designed. Go out to McDonald's, see if you can grab one of these Space Jam toys in the 40th anniversary Happy Meals. And uh, if you do, tweet it out at uh, This Means Pod. Uh, that's where you can find the Twitter account for this podcast. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at This Means Podcast. I am at The Dark Pilgrim. Kevin, where can people find you on social media? They can find me on Twitter at Kevin Allen Says or on Instagram at Kevin Allen Graham. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And uh, that's Sail. not all for us. Yes. <laughs>